0: Okay, Proverbs chapter 7, verse 5 is where we left off. Let me pick up in verse 6. For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice, and I saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths a young man devoid of understanding. Passing along the street near her corner... And he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And there a woman met him with a a tire, tire attire, the clothes of a harlot, excuse me, and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside and at times in the open square, lurking at every corner, So she caught him and kissed him with an impudent face. She said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows, so I came out to meet you. Diligently to seek your face, I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him, and he will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Till an arrow struck his liver, and as a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost his life. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Actually, let me wait before we go to his application and and, uh, exhortation. It's always interesting that uh, Solomon continues to talk about adultery and fornication and sexual immorality when. Solomon is, you know, on probably the top 20 list of the most sexually immoral person who's ever lived. Um, Now, I don't say that to make him seem as a hypocrite, but rather to make us understand that there is no depth to sexual immorality that could ever satisfy us. Um, We couldn't, we don't have the resources to go to the depths of sexual immorality that Solomon went to. He was a a king of an empire that was protected by God and by God. Solomon was a king that was more blessed with riches than any person before or after him. Even to this day, there are those who say Solomon was the richest man who's ever lived. When God asked Solomon, to give him one of the things that he desired, he asked for wisdom. And God, being blessed and impressed with Solomon's request, not only gave him wisdom, and also one of the wisest men who's ever lived, uh, the richest man who's ever lived, God said, because you did not ask for riches and power, I will also give those things to you. And Paul, even... Years ago, when I looked up on YouTube, um, or there was something on YouTube, top 10 richest people who's ever lived, Solomon was on the list thousands of years later. Um, He knows what it is. The hundreds or uh, over a thousand wives or concubines, I forget which one is which, in terms of over a thousand, and he knows what it is to be involved in sexual immorality, And he is warning us against it because of the turmoil that it has caused in his soul, in his heart, in his home. This person is described as a young person. It says in verse 7, I saw amongst the simple, I perceived amongst the youths. Now, though our church is or many youth people, and we have people of all ages, but many youth people, um, which makes this very relevant, it is not attributing sexual immorality only to young people. It's that young people can be involved in sexual immorality um, without understanding the ramifications of it. During the fall of mankind... Um, Adam was not deceived, the Bible says, but woman being deceived was in the transgression. Not to say Adam also was not in a transgression or in a sin, but deception, allowing herself to be open to deception was her transgression. Adam, as when we learned during the conference, and I think Acula is so, Pastor Ken talked about Adam's sin was idolatry. He had chosen this woman, this wife of his, to be an idol to him. She was above God. And when she was making her plea for Adam to eat the fruit, also as she did, um, he ate, choosing her over God. But Adam was completely conscious, he knew what he was doing. He knew there was going to be consequences. He knew there was going to be separation. He knew there was going to be death. And he chose all of those things over God because uh, she was an idol to him. Not the case of the young person being described here in the Proverbs. This young person is simple-minded. That means um, they don't understand the consequences that will happen to him. He's like a bird being caught in a snare, an animal getting entrapped without seeing what was coming as he walks down this path of sexual immorality. So it's much different than that person, uh, or Adam in the beginning, than this person who is simple-minded. And too often, young people are Simple-minded. Now, listen, simple-minded also doesn't mean unintelligent or low IQ. There are simple-minded people who in their youth have very high IQs but are still simple-minded. Um, to be honest with you, um, I can be a very uh, profound Uh, Or let me say, I love profound thinking. I love deep thinking. I read books, a lot of apologetic books, and I've studied apologetics. I like deep thinking. But when it comes to certain things that can deceive me quickly, I can be very simple-minded with. Um, And, you know, there is a trait amongst young men, by the way, uh, not specifically connected to this, but a little bit that that men can lead women on they can lead women on and men especially young men they do this and as you get a little older you realize these sorts of things are not okay now there is some gray area here if you have certain relationships with women let's say you're an older man you're you know 50 60 years old a pastor of a church and you know, you may n- notice um, a-, a dress or, or a hair or something like this. Even then, you've got to be careful. But young guys will go around telling ladies all the time, oh, you look pretty today. It's, and you're sitting there like, hey. And the lady's like, oh, well, he thinks I'm pretty. Like, and, and then these young guys, they'll go around to 15 different women saying that to women. It's like, oh man, your hair looks smoking. All right, yeah, I'll see you in church, it, and 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 that simple mindedness. If you think that doesn't affect women, you shouldn't be doing that. You know. Now, if you are trying to um, win a girl's heart to the degree that you would like to marry her through a courtship or something like that, of course you can do some of those things, but. To go to 15 different women in the church and tell them how pretty they are in passing is a simple-minded, youthful thing. Very silly. It's like, oh, did you get a new dress? Man, you know, walk away. Don't do that stuff. It's youthfulness. It's simple. And it's not saying that older people don't have sexual morality. In fact, they do. And actually, older people can become... Um, through pain and and certain things in their life, very detached emotionally in their sexual immorality as young people can become very attached in their sexual immorality to the person they're being sexually immoral with. So it's not to say that older people don't have sexual immorality. it's, It's filled in all ages. But the idea of this youthful person being described Here in Proverbs 7 is the simple-minded one who doesn't understand the consequences of his actions and who goes down as a bird heading into a snare. Um, The young man, he's devoid of understanding, it says there in verse 7. He's simple-minded. He's devoid of understanding. He doesn't have the wisdom to recognize the terrible consequences involved with this sexual morality and uh, with with being with a harlot or a prostitute, and he just goes down. It's going to explain some of the things that flatter his ego. The task of keeping men and women sexually pure in today's age seems like an impossible task for the church. Um, So much so that many church leaders have compromised. Um, Many parents especially have compromised. Um, There are some reasons for this. Uh, Let me read to you some that have been written down here. The task is keeping people morally and sexually pure. And the age that we live in has become very difficult. Number one, due to a secular sexually saturated and permissive culture. Secularism has made its way into the church and it has saturated our thinking through many different ways. Um, Number two, through the widespread availability of pornography and um, indecent movies that may not be direct pornography, but things that we haven't developed convictions with. Uh, I gotta tell you guys that we'll have we in the last six months, it's kind of nice and, and odd right now because it's just me, my my wife, and three kids at the house. We've had people living with us for six months. Um, and we've discussed these issues, and then people that I've discussed these issues with for years and years, and we'll get people in the home be like, hey, you want to watch this? And want to watch this. I want to watch this. When we want to have a night of entertainment or watch a movie, and it's like, we can't watch that. They're like, oh, why? There's nudity in it. You didn't notice that when you watched it? And oftentimes it can be like BC days, before Christian, they're like, oh, I never noticed. Well, because your conscience wasn't awakened. But I find that even many Christians have such compromises when it comes to nudity in television and movies. It's like, oh, I'm not watching porn. This awakens desires and lust in the heart that will lead to sexual immorality, both for men and women, not just for men. I would encourage you to develop Christ-like convictions when it comes to nudity In your homes number three reason why it seems like an impossible task to be sexually pure is the widespread or no excuse me number three the disconnection of sex from pregnancy and reproduction you can uh, wear a condom you can uh, get on birth control there's all kinds of different that make people feel free now to engage in sexual immorality because the consequences of pregnancy are not as high when people are participating in such contraceptives. What is also one of the big reasons in these latter days before Christ's return of the widespread sexual morality to a degree that I believe we've never seen. There's always been sexual immorality. But I think studies have shown that it is on a widespread level to such that we have never seen. Interestingly enough, America has taken 250 years to catch up to the levels of sexual immorality that have been plaguing Africa. Um, I think mainly for the Judeo-Christian revivals that we have had in America, and we're still not caught up. Sexual morality is rampant in Africa, along with that, sexually transmitted diseases. But, um, even Richard Dawkins, the famous atheist, talks about how we have evolved from sexual intercourse, Have I said sex too many times? It's the subject, guys. Um, That sexual intercourse uh, is now transferred through human evolution from being um, multiplying the human race to now becoming more pleasure oriented because of contraceptives. Now, certainly he's wrong about evolution. Uh, But one of the things he is is we have in many ways alleviated massive consequences of pregnancy and STDs through contraceptives, which has increased the levels of sexual immorality in our nation and in Kenya. Number four reasons why people... In our societies and in church, unfortunately, think it's an impossible task, therefore, they've compromised on it as laws making divorce easy and impossible to contest. Um, I'm not too well-versed in the history of divorce in Kenya, but in America, a hundred years ago, it was very hard to get a divorce. In fact, you had to prove adultery. And that was about the only way you could get a divorce in America because of such a biblical worldview on divorce. Nowadays, in America, you can go down to the uh, law courts, and within a couple days, you can have the paperwork uh, to have your spouse, husband, or wife sign and get a divorce. It has lessened the consequences because of the accessibility to divorce in our world, and because of its lesson, the consequences has given people increased desire to involve in sexual immorality. Number five, reason why sexual immorality seems impossible, is social media and technology making anonymous meetings easier. We have never been in a world like our world right now. Never. Where you can get online and find a sex date. There are hundreds of websites where you can go up, create a profile, and uh, type in your uh, area code or or the city that you live in, and find a sex date. Or, um, listen guys, I I don't know a lot about this, just so you know. But uh, there is a, uh, I'm forgetting the, the name of it, it's called Tinder. Is that right? Anybody ever heard of Tinder? Even the ones that aren't directly sex dates, like Tinder one of you guys, am I saying it right? No, I'm kidding. Don't say anything. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it's mask itself as a dating site when in fact it really is um, people looking for uh, promiscuous behaviors. I'm trying to find other words other than sex. Uh, promiscuity. Uh, you guys should bring your parents to these Bible studies. They would love it. Social media, you can get the weirdest people to, to get on there and find people to go have sex with. People who, do you know what it does? It breaks down people progressing socially in order to find a partner. Just, just get online. You're lonely, get online. Can't find a husband or a wife, get online. You know, just find somebody. It's, a, it's like, whereas in, in the past, you actually had to learn how to talk to people that are physically present um, in order to find out what they like, what they don't like, what their favorite food is, if they like animals, um, what hobbies they like, what their interests are. Now you just get online and, and their profile's right there. It it increases sexual immorality while decreasing the ability to socialize physically with people. There are many studies done about this. By the way, there are studies showing how unbelievably unsocial younger generations are in our world. They can't talk to people. They can't look at people in the eyes when they speak to them. They've been on a device their whole lives without af- actually having to look at a human being. Very dangerous, social media. Number six, widespread prosperity that lessens the financial impact of family breakups. That's not as applicable here in Africa. So I'll move to number seven. And this is a massive reason in Kenya why people are engaged in widespread sexual morality. This is what uh, I I want you guys to really get because to me, it seems like people aren't listening. uh, This is the biggest reason in Kenya why I think people are sexually immoral, or you can say one of them the large and growing gap between the time of puberty and the average time that people get married. Let me repeat that. The large and growing gap between the time of puberty and the average time people get married. It has increased over the last 50 years to a level that we have never seen in human history. Never in human history has humans been deceived enough by the devil to think it is a good idea to get married later on in life. And if you're 25 and older, that's later on in life. In my opinion, if you're 21 and older, it's later on in life because you've already gone six to seven years of puberty. What are you doing? Well, let me tell you what over 85% of Kenyans are doing They're having sex outside of marriage. When Paul is clear, he says, if you burn, get married. Now listen, I know I have discussed this often, and I want you to know finances has become an idol, a God amongst poor people in the world above wisdom. Wisdom and when people should be getting married. Now, it could seem, and I probably don't say this enough, it could seem that I'm trying to force people to get married, and I'm not. If you don't want to be married, God has given you the freedom not to be. So when people who are 30 years old, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30 years old, tell me, well, I'm not married, i would be like, well, why? If they say, when I first asked that question, why? Well, because God has not led me to be married at this time in my life. You're not going to get any pressure from me. You're not going to get any rebuke from me. Oh, sorry. My, I was, I, there are some of you in here who are, you know, I, I, I keep on bothering about this. So. I'm not talking about. It's all of you, by the way, except Bob. He got married. Um, Listen, this is important, and I want you to listen to me. If you tell me that, no pressure from me. If you're telling me you won't do it because your parents won't let you, or because you got to graduate university, because you got to get financially stable, you. I don't know how to sugarcoat this anymore. You have been deceived by Satan. It is simple as that. And even if you're not deceived, at best, you're walking as a coward, refusing to open yourself up to the desires that God has given you as a person who wants to be intimate with somebody of the opposite sex. We have created an idol in this world. It's not just Africa. It is every nation now on the planet. There is parts of Asia, like India, that still have not, I would say, digressed. Richard Dawkins says have progressed in in, in regards to this type of sexual intercourse. This isn't the pilgrim's progress, by the way. as as John Bunyan wrote. This is C.S. Lewis's Pilgrim's Digress, as he wrote. This is humanity and the Christians of the world giving in to secular thinking. Secular beliefs. It is a digression. So there's some parts of Asia, like India, that haven't digressed as much as the rest of the world. But on a global scale, such as humanity has never seen before, we are getting married later in life. And it is simply not wise. It's not wise. And because of the pressures of our parents, especially in shame and honor cultures, such as uh, Kenya and other parts and We'll just do come and stays, have sexual flings in university because the desire there. But even people who are Christians, I mean, come on. I mean, you go from puberty, which is, what is it? 13, 14, 15 years old. I don't know. 12, 13, 14, 15. And then you're supposed to wait 10, 15 years before being physically intimate with somebody. I don't care what anybody says. You will get over 90% of people at the age of 30 who have failed with sexual immorality. Even those who had good intentions. Those who say, I'm a Christian, I don't want to do this. You find yourself in situations where the temptation is so great that you give in. Now, I understand there's rare people amongst us, probably like Pastor Alfred, who, 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 you know, is walking with the Lord in the holiness to that degree. But I'm telling you guys, after I got saved, I needed a couple years of getting my head right. And, and by the way, that wasn't my choice. That was Kelsey not willing to marry me because she was wanting to watch me. I don't know what her problem was. I thought I was fine. But I just don't, I don't understand. I get it. I get you're under pressure. I get you're going to not just have tough conversations with family members, but possibly dis, being Disowned. But let me tell you the words of Christ, unless you hate your father and mother to come after Jesus Christ, you have no part with him. Now that isn't to say you got to get married to have part with Jesus, but it does have to say that when you want to follow Jesus, whether it be in marriage or whatever other aspect of your life, and you have parents who are telling you no, and actually encouraging as a mother did recently with me. Within the last three months, a mother told me, I will not allow my daughter to get married. She's in medical school. And as long as she uses condoms, I would prefer her have sex over getting married at this time. And this person runs a Christian ministry here in Kenya, a Kenyan woman. Said that to my face. That is the sentiment. So, And by the way, I want you to know that these seven reasons, they're not my list. This is a list given statistically why people have said they're in sexual immorality as Christians. And number one on the list is the growing gap between the time of puberty and the average time people are getting married in our global culture today, which we are in a global culture. It's dangerous. I'm telling you, it's dangerous. And guys, you're you're talking about, oh, we got to get financially stable. There is nothing more that will lead you to financial stability than a woman telling you how to be financially stable. Trust me, I know. Whereas I can go spend my money however I want. Now I got a wife at home saying, what did you spend the money on? Why did you take money out of my purse? It's like, it's, it's family money, babe. It's, it's our money. She's like, no, my purse, my money. You know, guys, the studies show, they're there. Make no mistake about it. It is a lack of faith to think you need financially, financial stability before getting married. God will provide for your needs as a married couple according to his riches and glory. Now, I say this so strongly for a couple reasons. But let me end it with this and then we'll move on. I think it's too late for the older generation here in Kenya. I think they grew up in such poverty that it is just in their mind, get my kids to university, get them a degree, get them money, and then we'll allow them to get married after all of that. You have to be different when you start getting married and having children. You have to. You cannot allow this secular ideologies to continue to run this nation. You can't. When you have your children start growing up, you give them the freedom to follow God's will, whether it be to university or whether it be to be the mission field, whether it be in marriage when they're younger or marriage when they're older. You you, 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 you make sure that your children belong to God before they belong to you. So churches have compromised on this issue of sexual immorality. Many people come to us as pastors of this church. They want counsel. They come to uh, the pastor's wives, Kelsey and... And, and Dina, and, and Becky, and they say, hey, uh, my husband is in this problem, this and this, and we're like, wait kid, wait a minute, are you really married? And they're like, uh, what do you mean? It's like, did you have a ceremony before God and before the laws of the nation of Kenya? It's like, no, we're, we're in a coming stay." It's like, you're not married. It's like, okay. Well, we've been together for five years. We have three kids. We've been together in 10 years. We have you know, five kids, whatever the case is, what can we do? i say, like, all right, we're not unreasonable people. <laughs> this is what you do. You go to the courthouse, you apply for a marriage certificate, it takes 21 to 27 days. Between that time and this, and circumstances are different. I can say that when it comes to young people who are in a come and stay who have no kids and this is like... Don't live with that person. Don't do it. Um, you need to separate for these 21 to 27 days. And this is, a, it's circumstantial at times, but that's generally the vice. Now, if there are people who've been married for 20 years and we've had this happen many times since like they got eight kids at home, it's like, all right, you're not gonna tell those people to separate. But what we do tell them is no sex for 27 days. And you should see the looks we get. They're like, huh? Again? Come again? It's like, listen, Jesus Christ traveled an infinite distance from heaven to earth and bled every drop of blood out of his body. I think you cannot have sex for 27 days. And I'm not kidding you. Every time I say that to people, like, okay, I guess I can't. Why? Because though we are gracious to people who have been in sexual immorality and they need to repent, we still take a biblical stance on sexual immorality. Verse 10. Now, a woman met this simple-minded, youthful, lacking of understanding person. She had the clothing of a harlot And a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. The idea of loud and rebellious isn't to say she's yelling, it's to say that her words are very bold in trying to seduce this man with sexual immorality. I have found that most people. And I know I throw statistics out there. I just want you to know 90% of them are made up right on the spot. Um, I do think I try not to say them if I don't believe they're accurate. But I would say in my experience, well over 90% of people are not bold enough to go up to somebody and say, hey, I know we shouldn't do this, but you want to have sex tonight? People don't do that. Wherever you go. And some of the worst nations of sexual promiscuity, like France. People don't do that. There has to be some sort of knocking on the door. So it's not saying she's yelling. She is doing that. She is approaching him and saying those words. In this commentary that I'm reading... One of the uh, commentaries I'm reading on this chapter is is very, very interesting to me. He he says, having most people in a situation that is being described in Proverbs chapter 7, have never found themselves in a situation like that. And when they do you would find that people who by all appearances would never do something like that, having given the opportunity, many people would do that. These sorts of things. I, I believe it's true. It's like that atheist illustration that Ravi Zacharias always used to share about Christians having convictions. He was reading this atheist, this famous atheist, who was also a philosopher, a very smart person. He said, "You give Christians the opportunity, and they will all fail for a certain price. They'll all fail in a certain circumstance." And um, he gave an illustration of a rich, or a, of, a, of a gentleman getting on the airplane. You guys have heard me say this before. He gets on the airplane. And he sits down to a very, next to a very beautiful woman. And he says, hi, um, I will give you $1 million to sleep with me tonight. And this lady having not even in her mind of having sexual morality with a stranger, nonetheless, on the airplane now has been propositioned. And she says, oh, my, I can't believe you're doing a million dollars. She started thinking about all she could do with a million dollars. And she says, yes, I'll do it. And they're getting ready to land the airplane. And he says, just so you know, I actually don't have a million dollars. But uh, I'd still like to propose uh, a sexual intercourse tonight for $10 for a thousand shillings, as opposed to 100 million or 150 million shillings. She says, Oh my gosh, she was offended. She was angry the way the atheist is writing. And he, and, and she says, what do you think I am? And he says, we've already established that we're only haggling on the price. And his whole point was given the right price or the right opportunity. Most people would fail. Now that isn't to say that we need to doubt our salvation that isn't to say that we need to go prove ourselves by being in a terrible situation and succeeding because I actually tend to agree with that atheist. I think most people would fail, unfortunately. We need convictions. We need lines that we won't cross no matter um, I have been approached a number of times. And I don't know, it's probably just a demonic attack with a situation like this. Or not, not a number of times. Sorry, Kelsey. Only once. <laughs> uh, yeah, I almost got in trouble, guys. Be going home, be like, a number of times? Which ones aren't you telling me? <laughs> you know, sorry. Um. <laughs> no, uh, a, a situation that was like this. And, 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 and you know what, guys? We need to find ourselves not in situations like this, but having anybody in a situation like this where that loud rebellion is being presented to you as an option, you need to not be simple-minded. That's what Solomon is saying. You need to walk away from it. You, you need to do as Joseph did, which should be like top five heroes of any man in this room, by the way. Run away. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, look, lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. With an impudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. So she played the hypocrite before she played the harlot. <laughs> I have peace offerings, and today I have paid my vows. She's talking about religious uh, ceremonial worship. Kind of like the Catholics do go to Mass, go to confession. You know, you know, guys, I don't know if the person's here or not, but we had such a funny situation last Sunday at church. We were doing baptisms. And as I was baptizing one of the people, they did this as they were going down. You know, as they were going in the water, she went down and I pulled her up and I, and I threw some more water in her face and said, now you're not a Catholic. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Catholics don't immerse in water, by the way. They only sprinkle it on the face. This lady is playing the hypocrite before she's playing the harlot. She has religious ceremonial worship. She has peace offerings and she has paid her vows. So I came out to meet you. Diligently to seek your face and I have found you. Now, this is clever, clever of this lady. This woman is making this man believe he's the only one she has sought. This is what it means to be a simple minded man who lacks understanding. She is stroking his ego. Or, And by the way, you can do this either way. Ladies, apply this to men. Stroking your ego is like, oh, your beauty. You're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. He's probably said that. Uh, we need to, by the way, I'm talking about people who aren't married, but he's probably said that to several women. You're the most beautiful You know, what I really noticed about you is that you're different from everyone else. No, you're not. Just so you know, none of us are. Now, there are people walking in sin and there are people walking with Christ, but it's like, you know, I noticed that like he was different. Even Kelsey, she said that about me when we were getting married. She's like, I just knew he was different than other guys. No, sorry, still a guy. And she realized that after she married me, right, Kels? She's shaking her head. Yes, she agreed. And, and listen, don't, don't get me wrong. There are differences. There are people who are walking in righteousness, people who aren't. But this is people who lack understanding, guys. Love needs to be based more on our, attract, our physical attractions. I, I'm, I'm so transparent, it probably gets me into trouble. But, you know, the, the situation that I, I was describing earlier, it was just stroking the ego. And and I go and when I went to one of the, the pastors in the church the, telling him about this issue, and it, it, I'm like, can you believe? Really? It's like, yeah, she did that to me too. She said those words to you? So I'm not cool? I'm not awesome? I'm not just strikingly handsome? Uh, So she'll do this with many guys? Now, now don't get me wrong. I'm playing into the text. That's not what my response was. But what she's doing to this young, simple-minded, ignorant guy is, you're the only one I've sought when this woman has sought dozens of men. Dozens of men. And if she will be loose with him, she'll be loose with many. Same with the man. She is deceiving him. She is stroking his ego, making him feel like he's a special person. No. You you got to hold a special place. You got to have a special place in your heart for Christ before you can have the ability to honor that person that you have in a special place in your heart. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I do want to reiterate that there are people who are different from other people. Um, certainly my wife, Kelsey, stands out amongst many of the women I grew up with in high school. She's a Christian. She was raised by godly parents, discipled. And I'm thankful for the righteousness that she's been walking in. So there is a difference. But this woman is deceiving him while making him believe he is special, when in fact she has told many men the same thing diligently to seek your face. And now I have found you. Oh, you're the one. I was looking for you the whole time. No, you've been looking for many men. Don't be deceived by that, guys. Don't be deceived by that, ladies. You know, what's interesting is when me and Kelsey were, when I had asked her to marry me and she agreed, there was a... Four-month waiting period, just so you know. That was me being um, facetious. A four-month waiting period. And she said that if I crossed this line or that line, that she had determined in her mind she was going to break up with me, even though we were engaged. One of the lines that she said, if I try to kiss her, Before we got married, she was going to break up with me. (laughs) Can you believe that? Good thing I didn't try to kiss her. You know, I kind of got the feeling that if I tried to kiss her, I'd be in big trouble. So I waited to the day we got married. Even though I couldn't keep her hands off of me when we were at the house, you know, with her parents. No, I'm kidding, guys. Oh, I had a point there. My point is, you know, ladies, that a guy has conviction. Not that Christians can't fail. They can. Okay, don't be discouraged by this. But you know a guy has convictions when he'll tell you no. You know he has a commitment to Christ when he has convictions, if he can say no to something. Say, no, we're not going to be alone in your dorm room. We're not going to be alone in your apartment. And ladies... You got a guy start saying those things, he's a keeper. All right? If you got a guy trying to talk you into it, trust me, I I don't want to dishonor Christ. Let's just watch a movie at 12 o'clock at night together. Like, either you're a dummy or you have bad intentions. One of the two, and I don't want to marry either. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't want to marry a stupid guy or a guy who has bad intentions. So it's over. And, and, and guys, you want ladies with convictions. Convictions are a sign of a commitment to Christ. Make sure the person you like has them before you go any further with them. So I've, I've spread my bed with tapestry and colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and salmon and come let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us delight ourselves with love for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey, has taken a bag of money with him. He will come on the appointed day. He's not going to be around for months. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him and immediately he went after her as an ox goes after the slaughter. You know, an ox, hey, come on, ox. They go and they get slaughtered. As a fool goes to the correction of the stocks, until an arrow struck his liver and a bird hastens to snare, he did not know it would cost him his life. She makes it sound real good. And you know what she makes it sound like? Love. There should be a word there to replace love, sex. Because not all sex is in a loving relationship. She, 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 she's saying, let's, let's make love. You guys know how Hollywood does this? And I'm sure Bollywood too. You know, I've never watched one Bollywood movie. Do any of you guys watch Bollywood? So maybe they say the same things. Let's go make love. Oh, I fell in love. If you can fall in love, you can fall out of it, by the way. Love is a choice that we make that is based on agape love, which is God love, which is sacrificial which is putting others above yourself. Love. Let's go make love. Let's have our night filled with love. No, it's lust, not love. Because if you really loved me, you would make a commitment to me for life before pressuring me and having sex with you. That's what love is. One of the things that must be pointed out is she is enticing him with material beauties, not knowing the ugliness on the spiritual consequences of their actions. Material beauties is what she's enticing him with. We cannot base. Now, I, I, I think mutual attraction is a good thing in terms of physical mutual attraction. But we cannot base our relationships on that primarily. We have to base it on sacrificial love. Because guys, when we get married, there's something going to happen to us. We're going to get old. And we're going to change the way we look. Women get pregnant. They change the way they look. Ladies, you need to find a man who is willing to love you no matter how many physical changes happen. I find it to be such a precious thing, such a precious thing to see two old people together. You guys know what I'm saying? I love it. Married 30, 40, 50, 60 years. I find older women's hands beautiful. Now, I'm not saying this to sound weird or just so you know. I love older people. We were doing a crusade. um, Oh my gosh, it was 12 years ago now, uh, out past Ripley. And uh, I learned by that time in my life, because I had been in full-time ministry for years that Sometimes you need to just stop and talk to one person. God is leading for an hour. And other times that's Satan trying to distract you from talking to 10 different people. But when I came across a 103-year-old woman, that's where my focus was. The rest can share the gospel. I want to hear about this woman's life. She was a Christian woman. And I took a picture of her hands. They're just, they're so wrinkled. They're so frail. To me, it's just beautiful. And I find it so sad to see so many women, um, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's pressure from a husband or pressure from society, especially in the Western world, getting all the, uh, uh, what is it, liposuction. That's really not in Kenya, is it? Praise God, I hope it never comes. But um, it's so precious to see older people married. It's not based on the physical as much. It's not based on the material as much as it is based on a Christ-centered relationship that is sacrificial love. Isn't it reassuring that a marriage built on Christ has the it written in its vows that, that neither in sickness or, or in sickness or in health, and for rich or for poor, that, that is a Christian ethic. It's a Christian attitude. And then the application of Solomon's once again, for now the fourth time in these seven chapters, warning against sexual immorality, Verse 24, now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded. It's not just you, buddy. She wasn't just looking for you. She's been telling every guy in town that. And all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. There's been speculation and different views on what this means, that her house leads to hell and her chambers to death. Certainly, this cannot mean that those who have gone to this level of sexual immorality cannot be forgiven or saved That's not what that means. The only sin that cannot be forgiven is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is to deny Christ, which the Holy Spirit is always trying to convict people and tell people about the Savior, Jesus Christ. So we can be forgiven for those of us who have participated in such sexual immorality. And that's good news. And I'd like to go on and even say that there is healing for such wounds. Wounds as this kind of sexual immorality. But I must agree, and, I, I, and this is what this means, that this type of sin leads to hell. It, this means that those who engage in this kind of sexual immorality go to a place where there is no return. And that place of no return is this. There is no coming back from opening yourself up to the doorway that you could potentially walk through again. Let me, give, let me, give, let me explain what I mean. For somebody to go into a sexual immoral situation like this now learns the language of the sexual immoral situation. Um, uh, situation. What I mean by that is they, whereas in hardly anybody in this room probably has gone up and tried to proposition a stranger to have sex with them. I, I, I would venture to say less than one perc- less than 3% of us. But once you do that, you know the language of how to do such things. And it becomes dangerous. You have to fight this battle for the rest of your life, though you can be forgiven and though you can be healed. So if you are that person who's gone to this situation, there's forgiveness, there's healing. But now you have to be on guard more than the rest of us. You begin to be able to spot the people who would go down that road. You go to a place where there's no return. And you're going to be susceptible to sin. You're going to be susceptible to this situation to a degree where maybe other people would go down that road. But they never will because they've never been put in a situation like that. They've never gone down that road. I mean, my... my, you guys know Kelsey, Kelsey, I always say my wife, Kelsey, she's been hit on a lot. She's a very pretty lady, you know, and, but I don't think, maybe I'll ask her after the service that anybody has ever come up to her and said, hey, you want to go have some sex? It, 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 it's a level of depravity. It's a level, it's a, it's a place where people go that is, is like hell. And once you go to that place, and you've been to that place, there's no coming back from it. And that's why Solomon is warning. The more you become comfortable with sexual morality, the deeper you go. When you want to walk with Christ in the future, it can become extremely difficult. You will have to fight temptation such as you never. So the point is, guys, never go down that road. Never get involved with this situation. Take the wisdom from Solomon. Okay, it's over. I tried to get you guys out of here before 7.30. We only try to have an hour and a half. I know that's an intense chapter. You've probably heard the word sex more. Than you. By the way, I think if we talked about sex more, our church would grow. It's like, you know, they do, they're not shy to talk about sexual things at their church. That's not the intention, just so you know. Um, we go through the Bible verse by verse. We we do that, guys, and it it talks about it a lot in scriptures. Uh, But as we end this, just so you know, by way of announcement, we're now um, opening up at the Connect Station a sign-up for the Women's Conference. Uh, Great is Thy Faithfulness is the theme. Uh, The Women's Conference is in June. Uh, We're in June. It's in a couple weeks, so sign up for that. It's not just a women's meeting. You'll be here in the sanctuary Uh, You'll be doing worship, uh, and please make sure you come for that. Um, Sign up for it at the Connect Station. Let me pray for us. Lord, I know that probably many of us have been sexually immoral, and we thank you for your forgiveness, but to go to this degree where people use the language, I know that most of us have not gone there, and I pray you'd protect our church. I pray you'd protect us, Lord, from these situations. And I pray you'd heal and forgive us. And Lord, I pray you would bring people in our church, bring them husbands and wives. We know that the secular society has shaped our minds so much. I pray for progress, that our minds wouldn't be shaped by the world, but they would be shaped by your will revealed to us in your word, And I thank you for all that you're doing and I ask that you would uh, bless our fellowship now in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.